Greetings. Welcome to the Asana Kitchen podcast. So today's subject is pain and how to negotiate and deal with pain in your practice. Okay, and, but before we get started, I uh, just want to let you know I have a new audio course and booklet out. It's on the five elements, fire, air, earth, water, and space. Um, it's six or five talks on those individual elements. Seven talks. Oh, sorry. I have Joy's here with us today. It's seven talks on the individual elements and how you can uh, incorporate those, learn to think about them, and um, enhance your practice. So really get into the earth or get into the idea of space and uh, add dimension to your practice. And there's also a booklet that goes with it too, nicely written with um, prints of the various uh, visual depictions of the elements that you find in the Hindu stories. So Joy's going to uh, kind of facilitate a bit today and uh, ask me questions and it's going to probe into a big subject, which is pain in the practice and what to do or how to encounter it because it's inevitable. That's, uh, that's kind of the first thing is that Pain, like my teacher said, pain is real. Pain is present. Yeah, and I, well, the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because recently you've had quite a, a number of students email you or call you about being in physical pain, but then also being, you know, a lot of mental pain, depressed and whatnot. So I just wanted to, I mean, what is, What's the sort of first thing, you know, that you do? Yeah. Well, so there's, in today's podcast, there's there's a lot of practical things, really basic physical and mental things to do uh, around pain. Um, But there's also kind of philosophical context that's really important to take into account. And I'm hoping to cover some of both. Okay, and um, so one thing is, is that, the, the whole idea of yoga, the whole practice, is born out of a response to suffering and to pain. Okay? And so that's just something to know, that people do yoga to address pain. So that's an amazing start, right? It, so it, it means that you coming to yoga, coming to your practice, being on your mat, and being in pain or suffering is kind of routine. It's just part of the game. And so, so, you, so that's a, 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 an amazing piece of information because it's easy to think that you shouldn't be in pain. And like the, the glossy magazines with the smiling models on the covers, they try to kind of lead you into thinking that yoga is about bliss and it's about relaxation and feeling good in your body. And certainly there, those aspects are there, but that's a very misleading um, way of pro- projecting yoga because of what you're saying is, is that in, no matter how you account for it, no matter how many advantages you have, life is hard. It, and all of us are out there struggling and so, it, to certain degrees suffering and um, and that's just the nature of it, okay? And so, so, so just there's an acceptance or acknowledgement of pain, just as a basic part of being alive, okay? And and yet yoga exists to alleviate pain or to even end it, okay? And and so part of and. One of the things yoga does is it gives you these five root causes of pain. So it says behind all the different types of pain, there's five causes. And they're called kleshas, these um, root causes. And so the first one is the really meaty one. It's the cause of of the other four. It's called a spiritual ignorance or avidya. And it's the the root that causes the other four. Okay, and it's the making of four mistakes, which is, so avidya is 
to try to find what is eternal in the temporary. Trying to find something lasting in what does not last. And then it's to try to find purity in what is inherently impure. Okay, and, and we're talking about the, the difference between like the a spiritual um, reality and a material reality. So that what it's describing is trying to find, the, mistakenly find the spiritual reality in the material reality. It's kind of mistakes about material that these four are. So it's like trying to find an eternal material in something that is constantly changing and doesn't last. And the same, it's trying to find like purity in material things when it doesn't exist because everything material is inherently impure in a spiritual sense. And then it's also trying to find pleasure in what is inherently painful. And again, it's based on a material thing. So it's looking at the world, the physical world, the outer world for, for pleasure when you can't get pleasure in the ways, in many of the ways we try to. And, and then the last is to try to find self in what is inherently not self. And again, it's applying to material things. Okay, and then the other four kleshas stem from the avidya, or spiritual ignorance. And that's um, egoism. So it's, a, it's an inflated or deflated sense of I-ness. Okay, and then there's attachment to pleasure and, um, and, and also attachment to outcomes and results. So it's kind of material ambition. It's trying, thinking you can, that gaining in the material world is how to be happy, or how to be fulfilled. Okay, and then uh, aversion to displeasure and you could say, see, aversion to displeasure. That one's tricky because, because you could think that it's logical to not like what is unpleasant, right? But, but really, this, um, it's called dvesha. And it's, it's really an inability to find equanimity in discomfort or um, unpleasantness or even pain. And that's a big thing. You have to be able to find equanimity in things that you don't like because the, the day is full of them. And, and so if you, if, you, if you have an aversion, if you have the affliction of devasha around things that you find unpleasant, you're, you're reactive and get angry and frustrated and uh, rejecting or uh, extreme, then you're very unhappy. You're in pain. Okay, and then the four, fourth is it, it's clinging to life, uh, holding on, uh, fear of death, fear of change. Okay, and, and so, and it's said that that one, it says that it's, that one is, is alive even in the person with wisdom. So it's a very instinctual thing to cling to life and to try to survive at all costs and to, to keep death away. But it's also the, the clinging to life or the, is also this fear of change. So that part of what puts us in pain is trying to keep things the same, trying to cling on to, to things, even though everything material is always changing, uh, like our bodies, um, everything, the, the outer world, our relationships, just everything's slowly, slowly morphing and transforming. And that's challenging to, to stay with and to accept. And so we hold on and try to keep things the same and cling. And it causes us suffering. OK, so it's very uh, helpful to memorize these kleshas and to work with them, and then to, to try to apply them like to the most basic thing like when my hamstring hurts or I've hurt my knee or something to like and it can at first it can be like what does this have to do with aversion or clinging to life or something and but but with time you can kind of sort through the layers and and understand how these 
very uh, physical manifestations of pain, how you can see, see them as a, a clasia or a combination of clasias and, um, and then get some relief. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, one of the students that wrote you, I mean, she just, she was talking about how she's just in so much pain right now getting to her mat. Being on her mat is so painful, you know, that she's totally ready to just quit. Yeah, and she's been practicing for a long time, and she said she was even f afraid for her body. Yeah. Like, and, and so that to me is, um, well, for one, there's, so Hatha Yoga, what we do in Ashtanga, is very technical uh, practice. So it's technology. And so, and it's, technology is a kind of the use of power or the, the skilled use of force to gain power. Okay, and, and so, but, and so you play with forces inside your body uh, and you play with elemental forces in order to empower yourself physically, mentally, and, and even spiritually. And so, but like any technology, it is strong. Meaning it can be misused? It can be misused, it can be misdirected, you can be mistaken, you can um, hurt yourself with it. And, and um, so that's why when you're starting out, it's very important to have a good teacher so that you learn to use the technology well. Uh, but then also, see, the further you go in practice, then the more you, you become responsible for using the technology well. And you see, and so when I talked to this woman that was um, having this pain, and, and of, of course, it's no pain is purely physical or purely mental or purely sp spiritual, but I make the, those divisions on, on purpose. So I, 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 look at, I try to look at, them from, look at pain from three levels. From a, and and I, I think of them as pure, pure or kind of separate, or I isolate them just to get at pain and what's going on. And then I also look at them in combination to each other. So kind of look with physical pain, like what is this? And, and then look at the mental or psychological aspect of it, and then go all the way to the, the kind of spiritual dimension of the pain. And you have to like kind of agree on terms and know what you actually mean by psychological pain or spiritual pain. And I'll try to describe that a little bit. But, um, but so, so, though, you have your practice, the Ashtanga practice, right? And it's, it's a system of Hatha Yoga. So it's six days a week. It's those series. And it, you're trying to learn Hatha Yoga technology from that. And, um, and so... Which, just so, you know, is asana, pranayama, mudras, and samadhi. Yeah, that's how I break down the technology. I think of it as asana technology, so knowledge of postures, breathing, pranayama, breath control, mudras, which are bandhas, and um, seals, uh, sealing energy inside the body, and um, samadhi, which is mental clarity and uh, sustained internal awareness. Absorption. So the system of Ashtanga, it's... It, it's very dicey in a way because you could say it's like a one-size-fits-all. So everybody does Surya Namaskara and, and the, the sequence of standing poses. And then you learn first series and you do those postures in that order. And, uh, and you, so the recipe is the same for everyone in the beginning, right? And so, so you have to be careful, though, because everybody is different. So one size does not fit all. And so one big source of pain is trying to make one size fit all or placing, all, placing your ambition in like being able to do the postures, all the postures in the sequence. And, and, the, and to a certain degree, the way the, the, the method is taught, it could be interpreted to kind of encourage you to think that way. Like, for instance, if you can't bind the, your 
arms in Marichyasana D, then you're, you're stopped and you don't go on to the next pose. Or if you can't drop back all the way to the ground in a backbend, you don't go on to second series. And so this can lead you to kind of cheat or cut corners and try to do Marichyasana D at any cost and then um, get pain yeah. from it. Yeah, and, and I think that, though, where it gets, I mean, I think that that is interesting, and beginners go, th you know, they go through that, and, um, but, but I also think, though, that one of the things that can happen as you get older and more advanced in your practice is that, in terms of years, that you, and you understand this one size does not, does not fit all, but you then start to feel guilty or as you age you want to be able to do the series the way that it was written and I almost feel like possibly with this woman it was more that was the case. Yeah and she that said to me she goes David I'm stubborn and I was like yeah but your stubbornness is putting you in danger and like yeah. there it's right so there's a good part of wanting to do those series in that order like that there's something very empowering about it and uh, accelerated learning and mastery comes from repeating and really holding yourself to this high standard and but 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 pain is a signal it's a communication to you that like it's a flag it's like wait a minute hold on we cannot just proceed in the direction we're going we have to pay attention Oh, and um, and we have to take control, okay? And so, so one thing that I I tell you is that the every like the the practice the the sequence the, the it's all there to serve you, okay? It's supposed to feed you and and nourish you and get, get, give you benefit, and that the rules. They they exist to help you, so they don't ex so and and that's some it's a it's a swift it's a switch in perspective to realize that that it's not that that r rule is there to be rigidly followed or else or else or if you break the rules then you're cheating or you or you're going to hurt yourself, right? Which potentially could happen, I guess. Like if you if you really broke away from the rules and went off into left field and tried a whole bunch of stuff on your own, well, you you could be opening yourself up to pain. And so th there's a certain wisdom in following the system, but then that also has its potential shadow aspect where you follow it blindly or too closely, and and forget that it's there to serve you, and that when you are in pain, a then you have to question. You have to go. Well, wait a minute. What? What? What is happening? What is my approach here? And and so yeah, because what what's alarming to me about this woman's pain was how long she'd been practicing, and that she was scared of her own self, right? And to me, I feel like it's one of the benefits of practicing long is that you get to take control and actually you know how to you can anticipate pain your pain you can go oh now i'm going too far or or this is the wrong direction to go right now even though this might be the the more superficial prescription of how to practice this is not going to work right now okay and so here's some things though that i want to tell you that kind of give you an idea about whether you're on the right or the wrong track. And, and so, because, so partly what you're doing is continually kind of monitoring your body and mind for signs of pain. It's just like a, an automatic thing that you do so that you can respond to it. Okay, so that you don't block pain, you don't ignore it, you don't repress it, you let it, it, let it be there if it's there. You acknowledge it. And that's what I started off this podcast saying, that it's not a wrong sign. It's just something that has to be responded to. 
So you, for one thing, you're looking to understand the difference. That you're trying to make a distinction between what I call pure effort and clouded effort. Okay, and pure effort, and with that, you're looking to understand the difference between strong sensation and harmful sensation. Okay, those are two totally different things. Okay, so when you make a pure effort. In, in a posture. There can be very strong sensation. Very, um, your muscles work. Your breathing opens up. You, you're charged, right? And you, and you could want to escape. You could find it very intense and um, get a, like experience dvesha to it because it's so strong. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's harmful. Okay, but, so, but clouded effort and, and, and harmful sensation, that's something you've got to be on guard for when you're working for pure effort and, for, and working with strong sensation. Okay, and so harmful or clouded effort, you can trace back to these root causes of pain. Okay, so, so you have to look at your attachment say, to, to uh, certain sensations, to repeated, so that uh, raga, that klesha of attachment, it's about repeating pleasure. Okay, so you had the pleasure once, and then you want it again. Okay, and, and you want it again and again and again. You want it day after day, and that's when pain can come, because it can cloud your effort. And then the other thing is, is to be attached to outcomes, to have um, ambitious goals, like binding your arms in a posture, or getting your hand all the way to the ground, or getting your, your forehead to your legs in, in a forward bend. See, all of these um, kind of more, these are superficial ambitions. And they have a place. They can be healthy in, this, in the playful sense. It's like, yeah, you're trying to bind when you do Marichyasana C. But, but you're also looking at the different alignment uh, protocols for doing a posture. Like, um, what are the actions in your joints? What is your, your pelvic position and your spinal position? And you're respecting those laws of, of, of alignment as you're negotiating uh, trying to bind or drop back or whatever it is you're trying to develop by doing the pose. Okay, and, and so, and then ego. Okay, we can get very um, invested e ego-wise in our practice and we can compare ourselves to others, can see what somebody else is doing and want to do that really bad and feel bad about ourselves when we're stiff or weak and um, we can feel, we can also come to the mat feeling low about ourselves and then try to make up for it by practicing really strong or being very success, feeling successful or the opposite. We can come in thinking that we're really great and that we've got things going on and then take um, big risks that are excessive risks that then lead us to harm. Okay, and so, so, so that's w one thing. We've got to look at the, our effort, the quality of the effort and this idea of sensation. That is the strong sensation that I'm creating, is this very healthy, positive sensation or is it uh, clouded and is it intense sensation that's possibly going to strain my muscle or joint or something. Okay, and, and so one of the, and th this is the thing though, is that when you're not sure, the basic postures are what you're looking for. Okay, so when you're in pain or, when, or if you're not sure of, what, of, how, of whether how you're working is leading towards pain, you have to go back to more basic postures. And so you think in categories of postures like uh, standing poses and forward bends, back bends. Uh, and combinations of those. And then you think in terms of degree of difficulty or um, range of motion of joints and 
um, how much bending of the spine, how much flexion or extension. And th the rule of thumb is that the greater the pain or the greater the possibility of pain, the less bending of any kind you do. <laughs> David and I have a joke where we, we call it, I'm doing the... Anti-bending. Yeah, I'm doing the anti-bending practice today. Yeah, the, which, so you try, and, when, and it's literal. You, you attempt to never take your uh, pelvis and spine out of neutral. Okay, so, and, you, and it's amazing. You can do the whole primary series without ever doing a forward bend or a back bend. And um, to great, and do great work. Okay, and so, and it's one response to pain. Okay, and so, and when you actually do have pain in a specific area, you want to rest, at the very least, you want to rest the area. So you don't keep uh, hammering away at it. See, so you emphasize different categories. And you also emphasize uh, full participation of the body, which I want to get into a little bit more, but not, at the, not right now. But it's, it's a high on the list, is the, the idea of getting your body fully engaged in what you're doing is a protection. Okay? And having your body only part of you engaged is, uh, opens you up to injury. Okay, but, um, so, but this idea of working with postures where there isn't significant bending. Okay, this is a huge key to negotiating pain. Okay, and, and so you have to get creative and use props to be able to do that. And also you, you think in, learn to think in steps in your postures. Okay, so that the, 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 every posture has a progression of steps that go from like samastitihi, from a, just a straight line to whatever that is, all the way to postures in third or fourth series. And, and, so, and there's many steps that come between samastitihi and marichyasana D. Okay, and so and what, hap, what we... What we do is, though, is we get riveted only on the last step. And we think that that's where all the value is. And then we try our best to do that. And we end up in pain because we've, we're missing an important work that comes in the steps along the way. Yeah, I mean, I think that for the beginner student, they don't really know any better. They don't know what the steps are. Well, I know, but pain is an immediate teacher. Uh, yep, it gets you interested very fast in what are these steps. And, and Ashtanga has been deficient in the past in presenting steps and, and giving the more beginning student the, these options and giving them this knowledge. But now, it's changing. There's a lot of teachers out there that are doing it that are giving steps and, and giving them to anyone, beginner, intermediate, advanced, whoever's in pain. And who, because you, you, you want to work smart and avoid pain when, you, when it's possible to avoid. Well, and also I, I think that there's so many of us now you know, in 2020, that we want to practice until we're 90. Yes. And so we're very invested in what, I need to learn the steps now. Yeah. When I'm, you know, 60, I know what to do. Or, you know, when I'm paying, but also when I'm old, I, I can still have a practice. Yeah, and really, so one of your big goals of, in practice, okay, here, one of your big goals, the, and it's, it's hard to get as a beginner, but it's more and more um, tangible and relevant the more experience you get. And that is that you, you step onto your mat, you do your practice, and you're better off than when you got on it. Okay? You are better off. Do you understand? You're not, you're not the same. You're not worse. You're better Okay, no matter what state you came in. Okay, and, and look, that's a manageable goal. Okay, but 
but it does take working with these kleshas. Okay, because just think of, and think how beautifully they've been uh, crystallized down to the five essences. Okay, so, you, so in order to get that, where you're better off than where you started with each practice, your ego, you've got to get to a balanced sense of I-ness. See, and one of the amazing things about these root causes of pain is that every single one of them has a wholesome core. Okay, and so they're called corrupted forces, those kleshas. This is a very key aspect to it. So it means that, so that you, a, a healthy sense of I am-ness, a healthy ego is basic to being a human being. Okay, but and when it becomes imbalanced, when you become conceited, overinflated, thinking too highly of yourself, or the opposite, deflated, thinking too little of yourself, self-deprecating, self-judging, right, critique, um, shaming, all these things. That is when you open yourself up to actions that will make cause suffering. Okay, and so. So you are there monitoring your sense of I amness as you practice. What is your investment in doing this posture or doing this transition? And, and when you find, so it takes a, this discernment. So when you find, I feel bad about myself and here I am trying to like look good or make up for it. Well, that's a, that's a flag. Or when you think you're hot stuff, that's another flag. Okay, and, um, and it's the same with, like, attachment to pleasure. Okay, so the, the, your enjoyment, so the word absorption, which is the ultimate technique of yoga, samadhi, it means to be fascinated with, to fall in love with, to, to thoroughly enjoy. You're so, you enjoy it so much, you become absorbed. Okay, so that's a very positive thing, right? And, but then that, Attach, that pleasure, raga, it, it can imbalance right into having to do that same thing over and over in the same way. And, and then when you're attached to pleasure in this gross way, in this crude way, um, in this way that's like trying to satisfy a carnal appetite, like very kind of sensual, bodily things, then you, you open yourself up to harm. Okay? And, but, so you have to be on the alert. You have to look at, your, the, at joy and pleasure in your practice and, and try to find this, a purity of expression of that um, pleasure. And the... the Spiritual ignorance, remember, one of the four mistakes is trying to find pleasure in what is painful. Okay, so, that, so you're also ferreting that out. You're, you're kind of exploring what you think gives you pleasure, what you think you like. And often it's a dead end. What you like is, is when you really experience it, and especially repeatedly, you, you see through it and you go, whoa, no, that's, that's actually painful. That's not a good thing for me and not a good way for me to work. And having physical pain, physical sensation, can be a sign of that. And, and then the other kleshas are the same ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's funny, of course, uh, I personally, right, deal with all of those, but the last one is I mean, I don't even know what to do with the last one. That one is just, for me, it's just the fear of death. It's, I feel like I constantly am thinking about that. It's just always in the back. Since I was a kid, it's just always yeah. in the back of my head. And I, mean, I, know. I can't even, I, I almost can't even, I recognize it, and then I just <laughs> immediately throw it in the fear box. <laughs> This box I know. that I like to not revisit. <laughs> I know, but I, so this is, this is like, this is such a crux point of the whole thing. Because 
So it's, it's what I call the, the risk and gambling paradox. Okay? And so the thing with clinging to life and resisting change, because okay, they're, they're similar. It's like that death is, is just a, a, a more dramatic or pronounced explicit transformation. And, but we're constantly going through death. Things are constantly arising and passing away, never to return. And we just can't stand that idea. And so we, we build entire structures, entire worlds, to try our hardest to keep things the same. And, um, and so, and this is a huge source of pain. Okay, and, and it's reflected in everything we do. Okay, and it, it sh so it showed up in the most basic physical things that we do. Like, we, we shy away from all kinds of risk in our practice because we think of protecting ourselves and, and, and safety. And we try to do the transition the same way, in the same hesitating way every day so that we can avoid falling. Okay, and, and it has to do with our what we're open to in um, our reaction, like um, when what we think of as permissible, what we get mad at, all these reactions that we're having, they get cemented. They get like rigidified and, and, they, and the key is, is that it stops us from being in the present moment. See, and that, this is the whole thing of yoga. It's really that simple, and it, it kind of sounds cliche, but it's real. That it's simply, when you're in the present moment, pain does not exist. It's just that simple. And it's when you're in the past or in the future that that's when the pain and suffering are there. And, and so, and what it takes to be in the present moment is to be constantly new, constantly up to date, and not expecting what happened before to happen now. And, and so there's all this risk involved in being in the present moment, right? And, it's, and so practice is this amazing opportunity to deliberately take small risks so that you jog yourself out of that complacency and that trying to do things the same all the time. Yeah, and I think, don't be fooled, when you're in pain and you take a deep inhale, it's risky. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that took it to a, a, the second level, the psychological level, but it, it's so true. It's, it's one of the amazing things to, to me that I actually say. That watch when you're, you're afraid, you're angry, you're um, riled up, or you're depressed. Try to take one deep breath, or, or try to take five in a row, and you'll see it's impossible. It's, and you, it just blows my mind to realize I cannot take a deep breath right now because, because, because fear is ruling me or anger is ruling me. And, and that would change that. that would, I would actually, letting a breath in would change it. But I am holding on to it so tight I cannot even take a breath. And so this is what I'm talking about, though. It's this gigantic risk to go ahead and take a breath at that moment. Yeah, and I think that you were talking about David is going to be gone for the month of October because he'll be teaching in China, and I'm not going with him. <laughs> and, you know, and he would, today I was saying, oh, I, I know that's going to be really hard for you, and, and what did you say? Well, I said, yeah, and this is what I said. You see, for me, like, part, part of my answer to when I'm in pain 
um, especially psychological pain or spiritual pain, like mental, right, psychic pain, is to kind of withdraw and to practice more. So like I um, kind of get more ascetic, I do more asana, more breathing, more solitude. You know, I increase that tapas to try to right the ship. Okay, but, and what I was saying is, is that, that I, ideally that's what I will do in China, right? Is that I'll, because I'm going to be lonely and I'm going to be sad. But again, though, that's where it's going to be hard because, because we, we, we tend to rigidify in those circumstances rather than do the thing that would actually open us, open us up and help us to feel better and to be in less pain. Yeah. I mean, it's also going to be so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Teaching all those new students. Right. But, but no, but this is the thing for, for you out there. You want to try your best to respond to your pain using the Hatha Yoga technology to the best of your ability and um, trusting it and gaining skill in it so that you can use asanas and your breathing and mudras and things to, to turn it around and to kind of, so those kleshas, when, they're, when you've got an imbalance of one of the five root causes of pain, you have to swim back upstream against that imbalance and get to the pure core of I amness and um, enjoyment and um, an equanimity when things are unpleasant, that just a natural um, ability to be patient and forbear when things are unpleasant. And, and then also, we haven't talked about the spiritual core of avidya, which is so key to it, because when, because it's the cause of the other kleshas. So when your ego goes out of whack, or when your sense of what's really pleasurable goes out of whack, or when you're constantly clinging and afraid, it's pointing to a spiritual crisis or a spiritual deprivation that you need to address. Okay, and so that, and that's an interesting thing to uh, value the spiritual dimension of your life, and it and it revolves around dharma, okay? and so dharma means um, cosmic justice, but it also means calling or mission, so that every person is given this sacred seeing to do, to see like the deep, profound, sacred core of existence. And, and also to, we're given work to do that on behalf of that sacred core. And the more you can be in touch with that kind of spiritual essence that's in the very heart, in your very heart, the center of you, the less pain you're in, the more that you're that alleviating pain. And... And, and being in pain is, at least it's, a, it's worth sleuth work, becoming a detective and trying to see where is that spiritual essence and what is my relationship to my spiritual essence and how, how can I get at it? How can I get at, like, what... Another way of thinking of Dharma is that it's your very greatest wish for your life the most profound, deepest, most meaningful way that you could live your life. You're trying to get in touch with that. You're trying to live by that to the best of your ability. And the more you follow that, the more you get a handle on, on your pain. And you can understand, for instance, when your hamstring hurts or you get a knee strain or shoulder. And then you can work with it more um, judiciously and more tolerantly with more balance because you can put it all into perspective. Yeah. Um, and then I think that the last thing I just want to ask you is uh, another woman recently wrote you how she was just grieving for a relationship and I mean she just really just couldn't even step on her mat anymore. And again, I mean that's Similar with this other woman, so much pain coming to the mat. Yeah. And so, just practically speaking, is it just one sense I take? Yeah. Or it's that same thing about the letting one breath in, 
It's reach the arms up just once. And that's your practice? That's your practice and be consistent and it will build on itself. Like that you, you have the strength to move through these challenging states. And this is what the yoga is for. And, and when you experience deep loss, sadness, anger, uh, violation, like really challenging um, life circumstances, well, of course, the, the challenge is higher and you have to be more forgiving. And, uh, but again, by practicing and going from beginner to intermediate, you, ha you gaining the skills so that you, it's what, um, I, I love this macrobiotic teacher, he called it that, that you have the macrobiotic response in your diet when, when you go out of whack and you, you, you get sick or unhealthy. And it's the same with the Hatha Yoga. You, you have the, the yoga response when, to your suffering. Like you, you're able to get to that mat and do that, those little things that help turn it around. Um, and that is one other key to it, though, is good rest, real rest, sleep, good diet. Okay, these are all, like, you have to take care of your body and, in order to stay pain, to minimize pain in your practice. So if you're stressed out, not eating well, not resting well, um, very all over the place, frenetic, lot of responsibilities, well, these open you up to... Um, pain and injuries and so you have to um, suit your practice to your circumstances and do your best to prioritize the things that will give you a strong practice and um, beneficial results. Yeah and then one of the things you talk about in the elements course is space and how you know there's just too much space there's not enough space that's what I mean yeah and so you have to figure out how to cut something or, you know, do something to give yourself more space. Yeah, yeah. Or accept that you don't have the space and then build a practice that still serves you, that's shorter, that um, has more variety. So you, you work with yourself. And I do want to say one, one last thing, though, about the risk and the gambling and, and the idea of participation. I mentioned it earlier. that So being half in is harmful, okay? And this is one of the things that is so important about vinyasa. It's called, I call it gesturing. And mudra also means gesture. And that means to, to move confidently with a meaningful and purpose. And, and so the idea of, of risking goes with that, that there's a certain um, putting things into play that is necessary for health, okay? So when you find yourself schlogging I call it slogging, kind of um, being fearful or holding back or uh, hesitating, doubt. All of these ways of transitioning in your poses or responding to uh, circumstances in your life, those are, see, it's the paradox. That's what I call it, the paradox of risk and gambling. Because, because life sets it up so that you're gambling no matter what you do. So even when you hesitate, that's taking a risk. And it's a worse risk than, than making a crouch and a bold move in response to um, an action. Okay, and so th this is a very challenging part of working with pain, is to have confidence in what you do and to do, to do things unhesitatingly with, with surety and trustingly and playing the line so that you can go too far and become reckless or belligerent in your risking, but you can go not far enough and hold back and on both sides of that equation is pain. So there's this need to purposely risk to be healthy. And to fully engage your body, right? Exactly, and yeah, and, and that's part of what happens so you're looking for every part of you to be to come alive and to be engaged when you do your pose. And what that means is challenging to figure out, and that's another reason to start with the basic postures. 
okay? Because it's easier to activate your whole body in samastitihi or in triangle pose or in uh, shoulder stand than it is when you do a drop back. Even though a drop back seems more dy dynamic, but the drop back is a big wave and it takes a lot of energy to flow. You have to awaken a huge amount of energy to flow through your whole body to do a healthy drop back. And you build that by working on your standing poses, working on basic forward bends and things. Okay, and sorry, one last practical thing about pain. Whenever you, it doesn't even matter where in your body the pain is, you work to strengthen your core, and that means the big four. So you do exercises that strengthen your legs, so your, your hamstrings and your quadriceps. You get strong lower body, and then your buttocks and your abdomen. I call them the big four. So you deliberately target those muscle groups, even if you have like shoulder pain or something. And um, anywhere in your body, neck pain, you target the big four, and notice that those muscles, hamstrings, quadriceps, buttocks, belly, that's, those are surrounding your core, your, your deep center, and that's also what you really want to strengthen. So that every pose becomes a kind of, um, you, you, comes from a place of a stable, strong core, and that is an amazing protection of your entire body. Okay, well, so I hope you've gotten some ideas about how to negotiate pain in your practice. And you can come and visit David in Kovalem. Teaching for 10 weeks this year from December, what is it? It's December 15th. No. No. It's December 8th yes. to February 14th. There we go. December 8th to February 14th. And you can come at any time for as any amount of time during that time. And I'm also doing a teacher's track from December 26th to January 19th. So you may want to participate in that. Okay, so all the best. Namaste.